Welcome to the Anchored Hope Podcast. We are so glad that you chose to listen to us today, and we would love it if you would make our church your church home. You can do that in multiple ways. You can join us in our physical location at 211 Boone Street in Troy, Missouri on Sundays at 10 a.m., or you can join us online every Sunday at 10 a.m. on Facebook Live. We hope that you have a great experience today, and we hope that today's message is meaningful for you. We're getting into a new series today. It's going to be a fun one. It's going to be a real, real fun one uh, called Bad Advice. Have you ever received bad advice before? Have you ever given bad advice? Of course you have, right? We all have. Here's the thing that we all know is true about bad advice, is that bad advice can lead to bad decisions. That's, that's a no-brainer, right? We all know that. Bad advice can lead to bad decisions. There's all that, we've been warned of bad advice. There's so much bad advice out there, right? Mainly on Facebook. There's just bad advice everywhere, all over the place. It's just rampant. But here's the thing that we all know true about bad advice. We would never admit this, but when I say this, you're going to go, yeah, that's really true. And that's this, is that we tend to listen to bad advice when it's convenient and ignore good advice when it's inconvenient. Think about that for a minute, right? Think about that for just a second. I mean, when when you get bad advice, you go, well, that's pretty bad advice. But if it's convenient bad advice, you're like, well, maybe I'll try it. You know, I mean, what, it sounds kind of easy. It's the easy route. It's not the hard thing to do. But man, when somebody gives us good advice, but it is the hard thing to do, or it is inconvenient, or it is just uncomfortable, man, we tend to put it off. We don't want to hear it. We don't want to listen to it. And so during this series, what we're going to do is we're going to look at some bad advice. And what we're going to do is I'm going to try to, I'm going to trick you, all right? I'm going to do like what your parents did, all right? When they told you to do something, but they really wanted you to do the other thing, but they told you to do the something so that they could get you to do that other thing. You know, they tried to play that Jedi mind trick on you. I'm going to play that Jedi mind trick on you right now. And this is what I'm going to do. During this whole series, I'm going to share with you bad advice to show you how stupid it is, all right? And then you're going to go, wait a minute, that stupidity is what I do every day. I'm a moron, and I need to change my life, all right? That's what I'm trying to try to trick you to do, okay? We're going to use bad advice to show us just how bad advice that it actually is. And so the bad advice I want to share with you today, the bad advice we're going to get started with, part one of this series, is how to drift away from God. How do you drift away from God? Well, I'm going to tell you exactly how to do that. Because here's the thing. Some of you feel like you have drifted away from God. Think about it for just a minute. I mean, there are some of us in this room that grew up in church, man. You grew up in church. You went to, as a kid, you went to church every week. You went to VBS. You went to vacation Bible school. You went to Sunday school, man. You grew up, there's pastors, kids like me in this room, right? We grew up in church, man. And you remember, I mean, just how passionate we were, you know, as a kid going to church. Remember when we came back from teen camp? And mission trips, how we were like, yeah, you know? I mean, that Thursday night at youth group when everybody was down at the altar and we came back and we're like, we are Christians, yeah, 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 you know? And we were like, we're going to conquer the world. We love Jesus, woo, right? And now you're an adult. And some of you woke up this morning and you're like, oh, what day is it? 
we got to go to church. Am I on the serve schedule? I don't even know anymore. Oh, man. You know what I mean? You're just like you're here. You know, you're here. You need a lot of coffee. You need a lot of go-go juice to be able to get here. I mean, you remember that fire, that passion that you used to have? You know, some of you, maybe you're, you're newer Christians, right? And, man, I love newer Christians. Like adult newer Christians, it's like looking at a newborn baby. Like you're beautiful, you know? Like they walk in, and you're like, oh, my gosh. This is nothing like my grandmother's mass. This is fantastic. I loved her. And you're like, you're a new Christian. And you're like, can I have a Bible, please? That's always my favorite. You know, can I please have a Bible? They're just excited, you know, and the, all the songs. Like, I've never heard these songs before. Did you know there's a whole radio station that's, uh, that's totally for Christian music? Oh, we know. Yeah, we know. They cut us off in traffic every single day, you know. Oh, I love that. I love that. I found Joy FM. It's so exciting, you know. And you were just, you were all hip and hoppity, you know, and everything for Jesus. And like, yeah, yeah. But then like, you know, like time went by and you kind of wore off. And you're like, ah, yeah, church is cool. Church is cool. I found another one down the road, though. They got smoke machines, man. And an espresso bar. I don't know. You know, and you just, it's just, it's kind of leveled down a little bit. You know, that fire has kind of turned kind of like a pilot light level, right? And it's just kind of, you know, dumbed down a little bit. I mean, what, what happened, man? What happened? We've all had it. We've all had it happen to us. Whether you've been a Christian your whole life, you've been a Christian for five minutes. That time where we drifted away from God. Where we've gone for that time where we're like, man, every message, it, just, it feels like it's for me. Every word that I read in the Bible, I feel like God just put that there for me. Every song, I feel like that's just for me. And then, you know, every time I read my Bible, I, just, I can't wait to study the word and learn about Jesus and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, it just kind of starts dumbing down just a little bit. Just kind of starts dumbing down just a little bit to the point where you're like, man, I've heard that verse. Yeah, I heard that story. Pretty sure pastor preached the same sermon like four years ago. What does that guy do? Just rotate his material, you know? I mean, I've heard that song. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, and we just, it starts to just kind of dumb down just a little bit, just a little bit more. What, what happened? What is that? I, here's what I see in the church culture most. Most of the time when that happens, and if it hasn't happened for you, it will. Usually what happens is we either blame God or we blame the church. This is typically where I start getting emails. It's like, you know what you ought to do? You know, we're, you know I, we used to do this. You know this other church, they're doing this. And we, you know, we even start thinking about maybe switching churches, trying a different church or something like that. Or you know, we blame God and we think maybe, maybe I got coaxed into this. Maybe God's not who I thought he was. We start blaming all these other people. But, but let, me give you, let me give you an illustration of what I think happened. Okay? This is just an illustration. I want you to imagine this story for me just a minute. Okay? There's a young couple young, beautiful, married couple, and they, they owned a truck. And they owned one of those trucks where, you know, the seat is just a bench in the front. You, anybody ever have one of those trucks where the front seat is just a big bench? It's not two bucket seats. It's just a bench, right? And so this couple, they were, they were young, and they were in love, and they had this, this awesome truck with this bench seating, and the husband would drive with his, with his left hand on the steering wheel, and his wife, because it was a bench, oh, she would just scoot over just right next to him, Right? Seatbelt off, completely unsafe, but I mean, she didn't care, right? And she just snuggled up on his shoulder, you know, he took his right hand and he put it around her, you know, and they just drive their truck in an unsafe manner, you know, they didn't care, listening to music, you know, some Phil Collins playing in the background, oh yeah, going to Netflix and something else, woo, yeah, man, it's good, 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 good. All right, so they're there and they're in love, and then 10 years pass by. Ten years passed by, and they still got the same truck, still got the same bench seat, 
Husband's still driving with his left hand on the steering wheel. And his wife, though, this time has scooted all the way over to the door with her phone in her hand, looking down. And they're listening to music. And she looks up. She looks over at him. And she just turns to him and says, what happened to us? What happened? We used to be so close. And the husband's over here driving. And he looks at her and he goes, I didn't change where I was sitting. Here's the thing. A lot of us, the truth is, is that it's not the church and it's not God. They've always been over here with their hand on the steering wheel. The bench has always been open. But a lot of times what the truth is, what happens in our lives, is that we go from snuggled up over here next to God and we end up scooting over here with our phone in our hand, with our life in our hand, with our schedule in our hand, with our career in our hand, doing something else, preoccupied with it. See, the truth is, is that a lot of us have scooted away from God. The truth is that a lot of us currently right now are scooting away from God, and we don't even know that we're heading that direction. We don't even know how much we're starting to scoot over into the window seat instead of snuggled up closely to God. And I know that might sound offensive. I know that might kind of bother you. Maybe that struck a chord because you might know it's true or you might think there might be some truth to that. But I want to help you understand this a little bit. Because Jesus actually talked about this. Jesus knew this reality. Jesus knew that this is what would happen to some people. And so there's actually a parable that he told. He, gathers, he gathered his disciples around him, and he told them this parable to try to help them understand this because he knew that they would go on to teach and disciple people. But I think he also told it to them because he knew that they would one day write it down. He knew that it would one day be accessible to us, and he knew that it would speak to our lives today. And so he tells this parable, and Matthew writes it down for us, and it's found in the Gospel of Matthew. And I'm going to paraphrase it at the beginning because it's very, very long. And so I'm going to paraphrase it, and then we're going to get into the application quotes that Jesus actually gave us. But he talks about this, uh, this sower. Sower is somebody who would run, run out with a bag of seed and throw it out hoping for a harvest, right? So they're, they're a sower, they're a farmer. So he talks about the sower who had the seed, who went out and spread the seed, sowed the harvest. And he says, the, the sower went out and started to, to spread the feed, spread the seed, and he said it fell on four types of soil. And these are the four types of soil that he talks about. He says it fell, some of it fell on the path, the path soil. Some of it found, fell on the rocky soil. And then some of it fell on the thorn soil. And then some of it fell on the good soil. And he talks about these four, four different soils. And then he starts to practically break down what these soils are. And it's very, very clear to us, it's very, very clear to the people who are listening to this, that what Jesus was implying is that every single person is one of these four types of soil. And so he starts to break it down, and this is what he says. It's Matthew 13, 19, this is what he says. Jesus starts to break it down. He goes, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. So, so Jesus breaks this down, and he goes, there is this soil, this path soil, and it is anyone who, who, who hears the message but doesn't understand it. And if you don't understand it, then the devil comes away and he snatches away what was in their heart. He snatches away the seed. Now, here's the thing about this. Some of you, some of the people watching, you are this type of soil. You are the path soil. And, and here's, here's where this actually, you and I, we have a part to play in this, okay? 
You and I, we have to meet in the middle about this. What Jesus is saying is it's so important that when you hear the word of God, and listen, when I say the word of God, I'm not talking about the Bible. I'm talking about the word of God that God puts in your heart, the word of God that he speaks to you daily, the word of God that comes from inspiration, from, 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 from a pastor, from a, a message, from a book, the word of God, when God speaks to you. If you don't understand what God is trying to say to you, if you don't understand the application, the thing you need to do, then he goes, well, you know what? It's just falling on deaf ears, and the devil's just going to come away and snatch it away. It's just going to go in one ear and out the other. Now, as a, as a pastor, I recognize I have a part to play in that. One of my things that I always focus on, I always think about, is i got to make sure people get the big idea here. i got to make this relevant. i got to keep people awake. But i also got to make people understand what this means and make it practical, practical and give them the to-do that they need to do. And here's the thing. We all know this is true. How many times have we heard a sermon? Of course, not by me. But from somebody else. Heard a sermon and gone, man, that was good, Pastor. That was so good. That was good. That was good. People send me these all the time. Pastor, you got to hear this guy. He nailed it. It was good. And the first thing I ask him is, what was it about? I don't know, but it's good. I mean, it was, he, was, he had the spirit in him. Okay, well, what did it mean? What's the big idea? What am I supposed to do? I don't know, but it was so good. All right, if it was so good, then what was the application? What are you supposed to do? Help me understand it. But we do that all the time. Some of you grew up in churches like that. Good sermon. What does it mean? No idea. Okay, well then what's the point, right? The thing is, is we have to understand it. We have to understand it. We have to be able to apply it. We have to be able to make it motivate us to do something, to change something, to surrender something. What's the big idea? What is it you want me to do? I'm a really mean parent. I'm an awful parent. I'm bad. And you would think as a pastor, I would be way nicer to my daughter, but I am not. She had vacation Bible school at daycare while I was on vacation. She came back from, from VBS at daycare, and she was all hyped up, and she memorized the scripture verse. This is the scripture verse she remembered. She came to me, and she ran in the kitchen. It's in Philippians. She goes, she said, being confident of this, that he began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And she said, I memorize that, Daddy. I memorize that. I said, that's cool. What does it mean? That's what I asked her. Most, 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 most Christians go, oh, I'm so proud of you. Girl, you're going to do Bible quizzing next. I'm excited, right? I said, well, that's cool. What does it mean? And the first, she kind of looked at me, and I said, I said who, who is he? I said, who is he? Who is this person who's going to carry this on to completion? What does this verse mean? I said, tell me what it means, Olivia. She said, I don't know. I said, that's a problem, okay? But see, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you, again, you grew up in church all your life, and you are this person. You grew up in church all your life. You can mem you memorize scripture. You, you did all this stuff. That's great. What does it mean? I got no idea. Okay. Well, then it's kind of pointless then. And so you, here's the thing I did with my daughter. This is me. This is my parenting style. I know I'm an awful parent. We went on a walk together. And I said, let me ask you. I said, who is the he? She said, I think it's God. I said, all right, well, let's talk about specifics. I said, it's the Holy Spirit. We talked about the Trinity. We talked about all of that stuff. We had a 40-minute walk where we talked about this, and we talked about what this verse meant. And then I asked her at the end, I said, okay, so you tell me, what does this mean? She explained it perfectly. That's what I choose to do with my daughter. I would rather my daughter dissect and understand one scripture than read the Bible in a year and not be able to comprehend any of it. 
We have to understand the Word of God. Because if we don't understand it, if we've just memorized it for the sake of being a good Christian and putting our stars on the wall, then the thing is, is the devil's going to come by and snatch up the seed. And the seed is an opportunity. The seed is the beginning of a good work that God wants to do in you. But if you don't understand it, the seed never grows. Satan just snatches it away, and it's completely useless. And how many Christians are living their life that way? How many Christians have lived their whole life that way? You know some of them because you've run into them and you've labeled them a hypocrite. And they are a hypocrite because they know a lot, but it never changed their life. He says we got to be able to understand it. Then he goes on. He says this in Matthew verse 20. He, says, he, he talks about the next soil. He says the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the wor word, they quickly fall away. Now, when Jesus breaks this down and starts to talk about this, he, he calls it the rocky ground. I call this the honeymooner. Okay, This is the honeymooner. You know what a honeymooner is, right? Remember the honeymoon stage? You remember when, if you're married, you're like that, you know? Honeymoon, the honeymoon stage is sweet, man. You're in love. You don't have kids yet, you know? You, you, you've, got, you know you've got things figured out. It's just the two of you. I mean, that's the honeymoon stage. Everything is sweet. You like each other. You're both still attractive, you know? You're in your 20s. You don't have a dad bod or stretch marks yet. I mean, everything's going great in your life. You guys are awesome, all right? But then there comes this other stage, right? And it's the same thing with our relationship with Christ, is we start out, and we're so excited, man. We are so amped up. We love Jesus. We fall in love with Jesus quick. We're so excited. We're like, man, I want to serve. I want to worship. I want to be a part of things. But then trouble comes, which Jesus said is a guarantee. He, said, he told his disciples, he told us, he said, you are going to have troubles in this world. That's, that's a guarantee. But then troubles come all of a sudden, and all of a sudden the honeymoon stage quickly falls apart. And Jesus says, here's what has happened in that, in that scenario. The scenario that has come up, and the problem is, is that it was, very, it, was, it, was, it was built a lot on emotion at first. It was exciting, and it was new. But the thing is, is that the root did not have time to grow. What he's basically saying is the problem here is that the person wasn't mature. See, it's, it's, it's easy to, to become a Christian, to make the decision to follow Jesus. It's easy to make the decision to, to be in a small group, to get baptized. Man, you could do all that in the next month, and life would be hunky-dory. But then you have conflict with a person. But then you find out there's something in your life that needs to be removed in order for you to be closer to God. All of a sudden, a pandemic happens, and things start to change. And you get quarantined. And you don't know what's going to happen with your kid's school. And all of a sudden, all these little problems, all these little changes, all of a sudden because you're not mature yet in Christ. Because you haven't grown very much. All of a sudden, Jesus goes, yeah, those people, man, they start to fall apart. They start to fall apart quick. They start to fall away quick. Because that little bit of trouble. And the problem is that they just won't, weren't mature yet. The roots didn't have a chance to grow. The time when the seed was starting to germinate, they didn't take it very serious. See, it's easy to follow Jesus when things are good because then things start to happen. And man, stuff starts hitting the fan. Here's the thing. I want you to listen very, very carefully. If you tune me out the rest of the sermon, that'd be fine. But you need to hear this. If you're watching online, you need to hear this. And that's this. Right now, in the middle of this pandemic, your maturity is being revealed. 
right now, in the midst of this, your maturity is being revealed. And that's important to understand and identify because in the midst of this, some of us are falling away. And the problem is not the pandemic. The problem is not God. The problem is not anywhere else except for in you and that the fact is that you are not very mature. That the root is just not deep enough and there is no resilience there. Jesus says that's a problem. And that's, that's some people. That's, that's just the fact. So then he goes on and he talks about the next soil. He says, uh, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. A key here is, he says, those who hear the word, but the worries, the worries of this life end up choking out the word. There are some of us who are close to God as long as we are blessed as long as we are taken care of, but then worries come into our life. And those worries have the potential to choke you out, to choke out the Word of God. Man, there's a lot to worry about right now, right? I mean, my anxiety is through the roof. I'm an anxious person. I've been very transparent about that. Some of you, you struggle with anxiety. Some of us, we don't have a choice in that. That happens. We go through that. But the thing that we have to understand, no matter where we are on the spectrum of anxiety, is that if we're not careful, the worries of this world can choke out the promises and the Word of God. I mean, come on, we know this stuff, right? I mean, when life is hunky-dory in worship, and we're like, oh, yes, the, the promises of God. He'll always be there for me. He'll, he'll never abandon me, you know. Yeah, you bring the dead back to life, and we agree, 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 agree. But then worries come into our life. And all of a sudden, those promises, that hope that we had, that light, starts to begin to get choked out. Man. Not, you know, in the midst of this, not only is our maturity being revealed, but our faith as well. Because it's not wrong to be anxious. Some of us are always going to struggle with anxiety. That's no doubt. The problem is that when we let anxiety choke out the things that we believe are true, the promises that we stand on, when we let those things choke them out and we give in to that, that is when we have a problem. And Jesus says, there are people that are going to be great followers of Jesus when life is good. But the moment that worries of life show themselves, as soon as the pandemic shows up, as soon as people start to go through this stuff, then all of a sudden, their faith is choked out. And again, man, this is, this is some of us. We all know people. I got, I got four friends going through divorces right now. I got friends who have lost their jobs. I, I, I got friends who, who have said goodbye to a friend. Two friends who have attended funerals in the last two weeks because their friend OD'd on drugs. Had been sober for a long time, but OD'd on drugs. And had to attend their funeral. Why? What's going on? Everybody's asking in the middle of this pandemic, man, all this anxiety, all these fears, all this stuff, all this chaos going on, we just, we have no resilience built up in us. And all of a sudden, we're seeing people around us just fall apart in ways. What do we do with that? 
It's not right. It's not good. Damage is being done. We can't let the worries of this life choke out the hope and the promises that God has given us. And then Jesus talks about the good soil. And this is what he says about the good soil. He says, but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one that is, produces a crop, yielding 160 or 30 times what is sown. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. You may not understand, Jesus was talking to an audience that knew a lot about agriculture. I mean, they all, you know, harvested something. I mean, that was basically what their whole economy was built on. And so everybody understood. And man, as a farmer, you got to know that, I mean, if out of one seed, it, it, they knew that, if, man, if you yielded fourfold, eightfold, tenfold, I mean, that's fantastic. That's, that, that's, that's incredible. And so Jesus is using this enormous amount. He's obviously beefed up his numbers. And he's saying, man, the, 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 the seed that falls on good soil, they're going to yield 100 100 times, 60 times, 30 times what was sown. I mean, the people who heard this goes, woo, I know that's a lot. I know in agriculture terms, that is a ton. I mean, that's big. And Jesus was doing that on purpose. Jesus was saying, here's what you need to understand. Is that if you have good soil, the return investment you could get on this one seed, this one word of God, this one promise of God, this one message, this one idea, the return that you could see in your life, could you potentially be a hundredfold bigger? That's a lot. Now, here's the question, right? He, he, he's, he's, he's told us these four different soils, right? He said every person is one of these types of soil. And the question everybody asks in this was, you know, the question for you is what kind of soil are you? Now, this, then we get into the conversation of, you know, what kind of soil am I and, and how did I get there and all this stuff. Here's what I want to tell you. Every single one of us are born bad soil. Every single one of you right now, let's just call it your bad soil. Your path soil, your rocky soil, your thorny soil. Here's what I've learned. On vacation, we, we, we were supposed to go on vacation vacation, but COVID ended that. So we did a staycation and we did improvements of the house. So I had some, some patios poured and stuff. And I had, they broke up all my dirt and stuff in my backyard. And so I had all this, this dirt. And I, he, I have this like patch around my patio of bad dirt. And the guy told me, he goes, you have terrible soil. I said, yeah, tell me something I don't know, right? And he, and he says, you know, he goes, there's not really any good soil out there. Most soil is not ready for harvest, not ready for a seed not ready for anything to be planted in it. He goes, in order to have good soil, you have to put work in to get good soil. Every farmer knows this. You don't just run out and go, I hope it works out, right? They do work. They do prep. I mean, some of you farmers, you're out in the fields and you're doing stuff in order to encourage that seed, in order to prepare the soil. There's a whole season where you do the prepping of the soil, right? Here's the thing for you and I, if you're wondering where you're at or if you feel guilty, if you're like, man, is he calling me this? Here's what I want you to know right now. Every single one of us are bad soil. And every single one of us are going to remain bad soil unless we put in some work to prepare things. Unless we do some work. All of us have thorns. All of us are rocky. All of us have been driven over so many times that it's created a, a hard path in our hearts. Here's the thing. We've got to till some things up. We've got to put some things down. We've got to do some treatments. We've got to put in some work in this season right now to prepare for what God is trying to do. God has a harvest for us in the future. God wants to do something incredible for us 
up ahead, months ahead, years ahead. But if we don't do the work right now, then the seed will be swept up from Satan. The seed will end up just being misused. The seed, the opportunity will just be passed on because we didn't do the work to prepare the good soil. We should have in 2019 when things were hunky-dory, been tilling things up, tearing things up, and growing closer to Christ than we ever could have been. We didn't think 2020 was going to end up this way, but we should have known better. We should have been paying attention. We should have been putting in the work to get ready and we got to get ready for whatever 2021 has for us we've got to do the work now we've got to till things up and we've got to get our soil prepared for what god wants to do in our lives you got to do that for your marriage you got to do that for the 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 future of your kids you got to do that for your family you got to do that for your finances you got to put in the work now in order to be successful in the future so here's what we're going to do i'm going to give you some bad advice I'm going to give you some terrible advice that will encourage you to drift away from God. And what I want you to do is I just want you to see the stupidity in it. Because everything I'm about to tell you is just going to create in you more bad soil. It's going to do the exact opposite of actually preparing your soil for good. So I need to come over here. I want you to take me super seriously while I do this. I need to, I need to do some prep. This is going to get real serious here, okay? I want you to understand this bad advice. I want you to take it super seriously. And so I'm going to give you bad advice as Mr. Bad Advice, all right? So hold on while I transform for just a minute. Hello, my name is Mr. Bad Advice. And I'm going to be sharing some bad advice with you today. So here's the thing. If you are looking how to drift away from God, I want to tell you exactly how to do that right now, okay? The first thing you need to do this. You need to neglect your time with God, all right? Here's the thing, people. Here's the thing we have to understand. You're going to want to spend as much time as possible away from God, all right? There are only 52 weekends in a year, okay? 52 of them. You, need to, you cannot afford to waste one of those spending time with God, all right? I have a list of things you could be doing that are far better. They're going to be on the screen here. First one is this, sleeping off your hangover. This is going to be very, very important. Thing number two, you could be spending your Sunday morning doing better, sleeping in from binging Netflix. Also very important. Number three, sleeping off the camper sleep because everybody knows it's impossible to get a good night's sleep in a camper, and so you need to spend the next day actually sleeping to recover from the sleep you had. Number four, sleeping, period, all right? Just very important. You have a weekend. This is your only time to do this. You need to be able to sleep. And then number five, going to Target. All right? I don't even know why any of you are here right now. It's tax-free weekend. You could be doing a lot better in your life right now. You want to make sure that you're going to actually neglect this time with God. I mean, the list goes on and on. But the thing is, guys, you need to understand this. You need to do what's best with your family. I got wig hair in my mouth. You need to make sure you're doing what's best for you. I mean, you only have so much time. You only have so many weekends. So you need to make sure that you're spending this time, you know, catching up on all the other time you wasted this week. I mean, your whole week, you were in meetings, you were at sports, you were at social events, you exposed yourself to COVID. You need to take this weekend and not go to church, not spend two hours there. You need to make sure that you're actually spending time with valuable things. You know, it's like David says. This is what David says in the Psalms. He says, you, God, 
are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. And in a dry, parched land where there is no water. Here's the thing. That's a bunch of baloney, all right? That you're not going to want to do that. You're not going to want to seek after God. You're not going to want to have to yearn after God or crave God's presence in your life. Look, your time is so valuable. It is so, so valuable. valuable. And so you're going to want to spend that time you have on social media arguing with people about masks, okay? I mean, that's what you really need to be doing with your time. Just go ahead. This week, go to your settings on your, on your phone, and, you know, there's a whole app that shows you time spent. Okay, that social media time, that three hours a day, you're just going to want to bump those numbers up by about 20%, okay? Because, I mean, if you've got three hours a day that you can spend on social media, you don't have any time for praying, you don't have any time for reading your Bible. You don't have any time being in a small group with other people. You don't have the time. I mean, yeah, they've made it as easy as possible for you. It's online. It's in person. It's all over the place. But you do not have the time. So you're going to neglect your time with God, doing much more important things with your life. Because life is short, man. YOLO. You only live once. That's a fact. I've checked. So make sure that you neglect your time with God. Because you don't want to be doing that. That's going to be time wasted. Second thing you want to do is this. Hang around the wrong people. This is super, super important. Probably the most important point that I have for you today. You're going to want to hang around the wrong people. Because it's impossible to live the right life when you're surrounded by the wrong people. Paul put it best in Corinthians. This is what he said. I love this verse. This is going to be on my headstone one day. In Corinthians, he says this. He says, bad, bad Bad company corrupts good character. Amen, brother. That's right. Bad company corrupts good character. Look, here's the thing, man. You don't want friends who want what's best for you. You just want friends, okay? You're going to want friends and people around you who don't judge you, okay? Look, only God can judge you, which is a pretty stupid statement because he's got pretty high standards. But the point is, is that... Until I die. Nobody can judge you, man. And so you're going to want friends who don't judge you, who even when you're wrong, tell you you're right. Who encourage you to do the stupidest things. Who really just want to take advantage of you. Those are the people you're going to want to surround yourself with. Because here's the thing, man. When I am left to make decisions for myself, and when I am left to my own devices, I am a train wreck. But at least I'm the conductor of my own train, baby. Toot, toot, all right? So I want friends around me who encourage me to do that type of stuff. Look, you are not going to want to sign up for Circle Up. Do not listen to Pastor Mike. You are not going to want to sign up for Circle Up this week. You don't have time for that. You don't need that. You don't need people around you who are going to meet with you and care about you, who have your best intentions at heart, who are going to pray for you, who, if you end up in the hospital, are going to show up and take care of you, bring you meals, who, who if you're going through something in your marriage, are going to text you and call you and ask you how you're... You're not going to want any of that. You don't need those type of people in your life. The type of people you need in your life. You don't need a praying buddy. You need a drinking buddy, okay? You don't, you need a wingman, not a, something that rhymes with wingman, all right? You don't need that in your life. You just, you need friends who really, really, really don't care about you because Christians are downers, okay? They're boring people. All they like is Gaither, Gaither music and, you know, content that's not relevant anymore. You're not going to want any of that. They encourage you to be patient and merciful to sacrifice, and yeah, all that stuff makes the world a better place, but that's not what we're here to do, okay? We're here to get what we need to get and get out, okay? Third thing is this. 
We need to give into temptation. This is a good one. We need to give into temptation. James, the brother of Jesus, this is what he said about temptation. He, he, he said, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Okay, here's the thing, man. No one is perfect, okay? No one is perfect, all right? It's always going to be that way. I mean, what are you supposed to be? Perfect? No way. Could you be a better person? Yes. Does it really matter? No, all right? So here's the thing. You are going to want to give in to temptation, man, all right? I mean, you got needs, man. You got desires. You got things in you that are yearning. You need to feed them, all right? You got to take advantage of those moments. You got to get yours. You got to do what you want. Look, man, here's the thing, all right? I'm looking out for you. Yeah, some bad things could happen, all right? But here's the thing. I mean, God's always going to forgive you, number one. So we got that covered. We're still going to heaven, I think. That might be bad logic, but, you know, it works. But here's the thing. Yeah, some bad things could happen. Okay. Yeah, it could, it could destroy our marriage, all right? Big whoop. It could hurt people around us. It could, you know, potentially set up our kids for years of therapy and counseling. You know, but it does, it's, it's all good, man. I mean, who cares? Who cares? I mean, you've got to do what you've got to do. So you've got to take advantage of this moment. And if you've got something in front of you, I mean, you just, you've got to go for it. You've got to give in to that temptation. I mean, look, you always got the gulag to come back for a second chance at life, all right? That's just how it is. You know, there's always second chances. There's always a second life, man. You take that opportunity and you go with it. You got to give in to that temptation, all right? That is what we need to do because that's what's important in life. All right, now, that's the stupidest thing you've ever heard, right? I mean, it's stupid. But here's the thing. The, 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 reason, that, uh, the reason that sometimes that's not so funny is the truth is, is that some of us, that's the advice we've listened to. For some of us, that's, that's the exact conversation we've had in our heads and in our hearts. The thing is, is that some of us, in the midst of all this stress, in the midst of all this chaos, in the midst of, you know, this pandemic, we have surrounded ourselves with the wrong people. We have surrounded ourselves with people who are not supportive, but destroyers. The truth is, is that some of us during this time have neglected our time with God. We have. Uh, the, and here's what's hard is that with everything going on with the church and everything going on with the world, yeah, man, th there's been definitely, it's, it's harder to go to church. It's harder to be a part of everything. It's scary. It's anxious. There's things you cho may choose not to be. Yeah, it, it, I, I agree with all of that. But here's what's really happened. For the first time, your faith is truly in your hands. For the first time, the faith of your family is in your hands, mom and dad. Yeah, you're going to have to teach your kids you're going to have to help them learn. You're going to have to help them grow. Man, all of this is it's your, in your hands. It's your responsibility right now. And some of us are cracking. We know people who are cracking. We know people who are breaking down. We know people who are running the complete opposite way, getting as far away from God as possible. And some of us are struggling with that. And some of us are living with that. And so here's the thing. If you found yourself drifted away from God, either over the past couple years or over the past couple months or the past couple weeks, here's the thing I want to encourage you to do. In Revelations, the, the, the revelation that came, he writes this in Revelations, and this is a word of encouragement. He says, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. 
This is God, the, the judge, talking at the end. And he looks at this person and he goes, here's the truth, your fire has just died. You don't love me, and again, because what's the greatest command? Love God and love your neighbor. You don't even love each other the way that you once did. Your fire has died. Look how far you have fallen. And this is what he says. He goes, here's what you need to do. Here's your warning. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. Here's my, here's, here's my word of encouragement to you. If you find yourself in this place, or if you've found yourself in this place right now, here's what you need to do. You need to return to your first love. That's what it says in another translation. Return to your first love. It is so important that we return to our first love, to remember why we fell in love with Jesus, to remember why we decided to follow him. You know, for some of us who were baptized years ago, we need to return to our first love. We need to return to why we got baptized in the first place. For some of us in our marriage right now, we need to return to why we even fell in love with each other in the first place. We need to return to those vows we made before God and before our family, those vows that we made to each other. We need to return to that. We need to return to the commitment we made, the responsibility that we signed up for. We need to return, and we need to go back to the works we first did to protect that love, to take care of that love, to protect that relationship, to feed that relationship. We need to till the ground up and start putting treatment down and get the soil back to where it was. And we've got to do that because there are other things ahead. COVID will end, and something else will come up. This is life. This is the world we live in. It's going to always be like this. Some of it's going to be worldwide. Some of it's just going to be in your life. We've got to do the work to make sure that we are good soil. So what kind of soil are you? And What are you going to do about it? My encouragement to you that I want to make sure you understand is you need to return to your first love. You need to engage with Jesus again. And let him come into your life. And you can do that right now, man. You, you can make the decision to return to your first love. Reignite that passion in you. Realign your priorities. Laying down what needs to be laid down. And say, Jesus, you know what? Once again, I give you my life. I don't want to neglect my time with you. I have. I've surrounded myself with some of the wrong people. And quite honestly, I've given into some temptation. And I've, I, I've allowed things into my life that should never have been there. And I've made tons of excuses of why it's okay or, or why, it's, why, it's, why it's all right. But the truth is I shouldn't. So, God, I'm returning to you. Return to your first love and find that heart that you once had. That's my prayer for you. That's what I hope happens. Can I pray for you this morning? God... As we just come together this morning, as we have talked about this bad advice, God, it's, it's crazy how it sounds, but the truth is, is that I've listened to that bad advice. I've talked myself into that bad advice. I've given into temptation. I've neglected my time with you. I've surrounded myself with some of the wrong people. And you know what? I... I have to return to you. God, would you help me to do that today? Would you help me right now in this seat, watching online, to make the decision to return to my first love? 
to God to, to once again scoot over on the bench, to put my phone down, to put the distraction down, and to snuggle up next to you, to come underneath your arms of love and protection. And God, would you just help me today to begin to take the steps to come back under your umbrella, under your mercy, under your care. And when I, God, lean on you, rely on you, would you help me to start to do the work I need to do to till my soil up, to treat it, to prepare it for whatever it is you have, God, whatever word it is you want to give me, would it be a seed that takes root, that grows deep, that is able to spread, that has a harvest, that has a fold of 30, 60, 100? Would it be something so vibrant and so bright and so beautiful that it would not only impact me, but that it would spread to my family, it would spread to my friends, it would spread to my community, and God, would the world just start to be changed through the work that you are doing through me. God, would you make that real? We know that that's possible, and we believe that this morning. In your name we pray, amen. Well, hey, I'm so glad that you chose to be with us today, whether it's online or in person. And I want to encourage you to do the work that needs to be done to begin to return to your first love. Hope you guys have a great week, and I hope you guys share this with somebody, invite somebody to come with you. But we will see you next week for part two of our series.